Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Today on the show is Julie Holly, and my gosh, she used to be a school teacher, and she's now a full-time syndicator. Amazing story, and she's going to talk about how that even became possible, how she overcame a lot of fears and limiting beliefs, and her advice for anyone who wants to get started with syndications. That's just in a few seconds here. I want to get a quick shout-out for Brandon Cody, who left us a review on Apple for the podcast. I've been listening to Michael Blanc's podcast for over three years. It helped me make the decision to ditch my contributions to my 401k and IRA. Outstanding. And finally, start investing in a multifamily space. The show has great content, great guests, and great hosts. Please keep it going. I really appreciate that, Brandon. Thanks so much. And if you do enjoy this show, do me a favor and leave an honest review on Apple iTunes. If you enjoy the content, just give us your thoughts and feedback with a review. And the more people review it, the better the show gets. And also, the, the more people see the, the show as well. So I also want to highlight our first deal maker, Daniel Genter, who did his first deal. It was a nine unit in Menominee, Michigan for $275,000. He actually was working with one of our mentors, David Camara, who actually was formerly a student and did his first deal, second deal, third deal, quit his job, and now is mentoring other students. And that is just amazing because now he's making a difference with others as well. On that note, if you do want to shortcut the syndication process, do your first deal and quit your job in as little as six months. Check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And it is most students do their first deal within six months. In fact, we're the only program that guarantees it. In fact, we'll continue working with you until you do your first deal because we follow a proven process and we pair you with a syndication experts. And we have a network that allows you, gives you access to deals and capital. That's why we're so effective at that. So check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Julie Holly, I've known her for, for years. She's, she founded her own investment company called Three Key Investments. She has her own podcast as well called, called the Conscious Investor Podcast. She was a speaker at Dealmaker Live last week, last this summer, actually. And she's like so many other people started investing in single family houses and finally understood that she could not scale and got into syndications. And so at the moment, she's passively invested in nearly 300 doors. She has is partnered in 68 units in Atlanta and is a GP herself in 120 units. She's full-time and scaling her business. Let's have a conversation with Julie and how she did all that, starting off from being a school teacher. Julie, welcome to the show today. Michael, this is like the biggest, most amazing moment of my year and of my investing journey. Thank you so much. Well, that's very kind of you to say. And and you've come a really long way. We want to get into your story because you're a full-time investor now, but it didn't start off that way. In fact, you start you were a school teacher. Is that isn't that right? Yeah. School teacher, graduated college earlier, early and at the tender age of twenty-two, started teaching in the public school system. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, that's excellent. And why did you get start getting thinking about real estate? What was going on in your life where you're like, ah, real estate and, and why real estate and what kind of real estate in the beginning? Well, you know, that's really an interesting question because I'm third generation in residential real estate sales. 
So every like listener hear that sales, not investing. And so I was around real estate. I understood real estate. In fact, I understood the economy really well with real estate and the ebbs and flows because I lived it right on the sales side of things. And when I was 22, I really didn't care. I just wanted to serve people. I'm like, I'm just going to serve people and I'm going to work for the government and I'll have a pension and I'll be contributing to the world and make every it's, this is a great thing. Win, win, win. And then I, you know, at 25, I got that, oh, they're going to be handing out pink slips. I'm like, what, what the, whoa, 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 what the heck? How are they handing out pink slips? We're teachers, like you can't fire us. And I didn't get that pink slip. Thank God I, it would have worked out if I didn't. But that was that moment where I had that, I have to have control of my life and my future. But I'm going to go backwards just a little bit and say like two years before that, now this is for better or for worse, Arnold Schwarzenegger completely changed my life. He happened to be this. governor of California at the time, and he was incentivizing test scores. And like, this is a very controversial thing to do. However, I happened to be this young teacher who got it making $27,000 and I got a $10,000 bonus. And my dad being in residential sales, he's like, buy your house, buy a house, buy a house. And he taught me about the equity elevator. He taught me about just invest, like you buy your house. And, and there is a difference when we buy our single family, like our own residential home for ourselves, that's not an investment. <laughs> However, he was explaining equity to me. And so, you know, kind of thanks to Arnold Schwarzenegger and my dad, you know, guiding me into and directing me into buy your first house at a young age, I was able to house hack and start that whole real estate venture of my own. So Arnold got you into real estate investing. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that is Isn't absolutely it? amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is exciting. Wow. I didn't I didn't know that about Arnold. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. He did so, some really cool things. So so house hacking. So what did you do then? What was your first like foray into real estate? Right. So in in the me speaking of house hacking, right? It was okay, I make a teacher's income, teacher salary. And now I have this mortgage. It's all on me. And I'd really like some breathing space. Huh? I have an extra room. Let me rent that room out. And so I just started renting mm. that room out. You know, now it has a name and it's all, you know, super fancy. It's called house hacking. And there's so many different variations of it, but it's such an effective way to learn. Oh, wow. If I can barter and trade with my real estate, I can really, you know, do well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you rented out a room and, and, and where did it go from there? So from there, my husband and I got married and we had a vision. I had some struggles in my early adulthood and it really just gave me a heart for people who have like come from abusive situations and, you know, you really have to get your feet back on the ground. And so we just had the shared vision of let's build a small residential portfolio. We'll live a modest life. We will simply buy a home that we can afford on one income. We always, we were committed to living on one income just to make life easy and give us a little flexibility. And so in that process, we were like, we'll just go, we'll improve a home and then we'll buy the next one and lease, you know, rent that one out. And that was our plan. But then guess what happened? We had our second baby. <laughs> And you know, when you have your second baby, I, or maybe your first, or 
whatever it is in your life, you're going to have these moments where you feel more vulnerable. And suddenly I felt very vulnerable. We were, you know, I was managing the properties. It was, they were, you know, a thousand plus miles away. And that was fine. By the way, managing properties while they're, I'm not going to go and fix the plumbing if it's two blocks away. So (laughs) what difference does it make with the distance? So that didn't freak me out. But what did freak me out was I thought, you know, I want to make sure that our family is safe and secure and golly, we've never had any problems ever, but what, that what if monster just eroded at me. That's a mindset issue. Just asterisk that mindset issue that I've worked through. However, that's where we said, okay, let's look for a better investing option. Let's look where we can start investing that makes more sense. And that is actually, I first heard Monique Calm on Bigger Pockets. And when she was describing, it was amazing. She's describing the syndication model. That was my aha moment. I thought education, I can serve investors. I can serve residents still staying on point on mission. And I'm serving the community at the same time. This is a win, win, win. That's the direction I want to go. And then that's when I found Michael Blanc. And this amazing, if you're watching on YouTube, this tattered, well-loved yellow book. <laughs> a yellow book. The yellow book. Now, that's so syndication kind of struck a chord with you, but why? What problem was it solving for you, both with a single, well, specifically with single family house investing? You had a pretty good strategy, but what specifically what did it solve for you, or at least the idea of it? Well, the vulnerable point that I found with the single family, it was, you know, what I hear a lot of people say. I have one roof, I've got one unit to lease out. And if that person leaves or doesn't pay, I could potentially be up the creek. We always had, you know, cash flow coming in. However, what if, what if, what if? I love the concept also of having a business plan. That business plan really anchors me down because I'm not just haphazardly investing in any capacity. It's here's the building and here's what we are projecting for our occupancy. Here's what we are projecting for our rents. We can see what things are looking at, looking like, especially with the SDA. It's a really quick snapshot. That's such a gift to the world. And we can see what's going to happen. What can affect, oh, wait, interest rates are rising. Okay. Let's factor that in. Where do we think things are going to be when we sell this? And so now it's no longer this kind of a crystal ball moment, but now we can actually make decisions based off of evidence that is rational and concrete. And and I say it's wet concrete. I mean, interest rates have definitely done their things, you know, you know, rising particularly recently and everything, but at least we have an idea. We have a ballpark as to where things are headed and how also most importantly, how are we going to pivot? Okay, well, there's a pandemic. Can we factor that in? You know, like all of these different elements where we can feel a little bit of buffer for everybody involved. Talk about this what if mindset. What was that for mm. you? And and how was it kind of holding you back? Yeah, I was living in that it's a fear-based, scarcity-based mindset where it's just more reactive to the world and more, you know, oh, I need to play, be a defensive player here versus 
I can roll with the things. These things aren't out there to get me. They're out there to serve me. And if I roll with them, they actually snowball into something really great. There might be the challenges and hurdles along the way, but if I stick with it, it's going to work out and it's going to be okay. So what does that look like for you, the, the what if thing? So played it out in my, in my mm-hmm. mind. Pick, pick anything mm-hmm. that you had to deal with, especially early on. Like what, like what was your mind chattering about? Okay, let's go back to second baby's born. And I, I just like looked at my husband, Stephen, like, ah, I just, oh, what if something happens? At that point, we were expecting the economy to do a flush out. And so it's like, when was this? Gosh, and, and it was pre- very premature, right? So this is, she was born in 2011 and I really got that nervous feeling around like maybe tw- like a couple of years later, you know, and it's like, okay, 08 happened, a normal, a normal real estate cycle, you know, six to eight years, like where are we at in this? Like we should sell high, we could sell it right now. We could capture that, you know, and be positioned to buy when 2010 happens all over again, right? You know, like all of that. So there's the what if, the FOMO, the what if on what if we miss timing the market the right way? And then there's the other phone, the what if of, oh my gosh, what if we have like the economy goes, you know, tanks again and people don't pay and it's our neck on the line. And what if it's foreclosed? And what if we lose our house? And what if, I mean, I took it down to what if we end up on the streets? What if we can't take care of our, our babies? You know, so, so I really went down the rabbit hole quite a bit. I wouldn't recommend that for, for everyone to do. But when you put yourself in check also, and instead of wrapping yourself in that fear, but saying, okay, and I'm grateful God gave me some foresight to be able to say, don't wrap yourself in this fear, but let's get some education. Let's dispel your what ifs and let's look for something that is going to support you in a more powerful way. Yeah. So how did you, how did you overcome that? Uh, obviously your faith has, a, has something, something to do with that as well. Yeah. Um, my fa- faith yeah. is, is huge, but I allowed myself to pursue the education. And at one point I finally decided I need, actually, this is fantastic. Okay. So Michael, I missed Dealmaker Live 2019. That is when I had first learned about the syndication and I was just all in feasting on your podcast on just hanging on the every word of every, you know, guest that you featured. And And some of them have since become my guests, by the way, which I'm grateful for, but I had gone through your book. I had, you know, okay, here's a checklist. I'm doing this check, 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 check. And I looked at my husband. I said, honey, I need to go to this event. And he said, what, what do spouses sometimes say? They sometimes say things like, you know, you're still learning about this. I think it's a little early. I think you need to wait. And then what happened at that event? Oh my goodness one of my good friends ends up forming a partnership at that event. This beautiful partnership was formed and I'm seeing all of these pictures and I'm like, if I would have been there, this is in so much magic happened at that event in 2019 that I had that FOMO. And I said, you know what? I'm not, I looked at my husband. I said, this is real. I'm going to be a syndicator. This is the path and I need to go to an event. I need to create that culture. I need the community. I need people around me so that I can do this 
in a very effective way. You never want to lose anybody's money. I would never sleep at night. And so real estate guys was having, which you're good friends with lots of them, and they were having an event. And I thought, okay, this is one we're going to. And my husband and I flew down to Dallas to Secrets of Successful Syndication. And that was the first time I met you. As probably a little bit of a fangirl. Is I went up to you at the elevators. And I looked at my husband, I'm like, I have to go say hi. And I went up to you and I'm like, I just want to thank you so much. You changed my life. Like everything that you've created. It was so like, it's so funny, but I'm so grateful for everything that you've created. And at that event, it was like that college level class where I got so much information and felt overwhelmed. And then I continued to attend events and ultimately joining a mentorship program. And in that mentorship program, you know, I was able to have a commonality amongst everyone. We have a shared mindset on you know, like when you join any type of coaching and mentoring program, one of the luxuries is that everyone is learning the same skills. You know, you're all speaking the same language, the same dialect. If you go from program to program, the dialects are a little bit nuanced. And so it's nice in there, you can create partnerships and, you know, meet people to help support you in your journey and being part of that sort of community and, most importantly, having a high performance coach involved in that community absolutely skyrocketed and changed the trajectory of my life. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. There's a lot of things you, you said there. One of the things is I think it's critical and sometimes we don't actually talk about a lot is about the support of your spouse. Now, you had an mm. example where your spouse maybe wasn't as supportive as, as maybe he could have been, but then maybe that changed. So, so what is your, how can someone's spouse best support the crazy syndicator entrepreneur? I think, and he is extremely supportive of, of my ideas. And really what happened in that moment where he, he said, not this one, I think I needed that to happen. Because it was really a test for me to know, am I committed or am I interested? And there is a big difference between being committed and being interested in something. Mm. And, and so, and I asked myself that even to this day, I will say, whatever task I'm working on, if there's a deal I'm looking at, am I just committed or am I actually interested? Because if you're interested, just like walk away and get to what you're committed to doing and really not going to that event and having him say, no, not this one. That really revealed to me the depth of my commitment. And when that depth of commitment was revealed to him and it wasn't in a, I huffed and puffed and gave him silent treatment. It was just, it was really evident after that, that this was not going away and this is going to be the path of my life. And so then he became very supportive and you know, went to events with me. He still comes to, you know, different events depending on our kids' schedules and such. But so if you're looking to support your spouse, 
And this is a big thing because maybe your spouse got you to listen to this podcast episode (laughs) and they're just begging you to hear this. But, you know, when you're learning something new, your brain is just creating so many different pathways. It's exhausting. And so just understanding that there's going to be this exhausting phase of that growth journey and there is an obsession stage and there are all these different parts of being new to the syndication space because it's such a friendly space and the people are so genuinely kind and abundance mindset oriented. There's not another space like this. I've never been in a community that is like this. And it's not just one community, it's multifamily in general. And so, you know, all of those people that they are meeting, those are people that you will want to meet as well. My husband knows so many of my business partners and so many of the people that we've gone to events with, he can, oh, I'm going to see so-and-so and take the time, go to the events with your, with your spouse so that you can meet those people because they're going to be in your life. And it's going to be a tremendous blessing in your life, not just for you, but for your kids as well. You said earlier that one of the things you try to do in 2010 is you're asking whether you should, you know, sell now and buy later. And, you know, I hear this, I hear this a lot. And I'd like to get your, your feedback on is a lot of people saying, no, is now the right time to get started? And I've heard this literally since I was mm-hmm. doing this in 2014. Every month, every year, I've heard the same question. And it's a lot of that fear-based thing. And you could solve this problem by timing the market. But how would you address that? Because you were going through that as well. You're like, oh, I'm not so sure. Should I time the market better? Like, what is your advice about someone who wants to time the market? Maybe wait. You're going to miss out. Don't play the game. Don't step. Don't even put your quarter in the machine on that one. Okay. Because the best time to buy was yesterday. The best time to buy is today because we're always going to have the changes. The nuances are going to change. The levers are going to change. If you know, it's always a discrepancy, either you have a ton of cash, but you don't have a bunch of properties or you have a bunch of properties, but you know, finding the debt is going to be challenging or there's always some shift that is taking place that is going to make playing the game a little bit difficult. And so, and that's, you gotta, you know, just be willing to go through those hurdles and be creative in your thinking. But investors, we invest in every market because we're investing prudently. We're not investing haphazardly. We don't have to, it's a business plan, remember. So we're not just going in there saying like, oh, well, we hope this is going to happen. We're going in knowing what our numbers are, knowing what our projections are. And so there's a level of confidence. So right now, interest rates, well, interest rates are rising, but that's not a bad thing. We're going to see prices come down, right? So there's always these sweet spots. And by the way, I think right now, and that doesn't matter when you're listening to this. So, but really I'm talking about right now, but anytime you're listening to this, that right now is going to be the best time to buy. But currently there are a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. A lot of, this is just the calm before the storm, the whispers and this is a great opportunity to go in and negotiate with sellers because sellers have needs and sellers do need to sell. And so you don't know what their circumstances are, but the best time to buy is right now and start that conversation. That's a good point because there is always ebbs and flows in the market. And we saw it obviously in 2008, if you were investing in that market, we saw it with COVID and we see it now with rising interest rates. And so how can you get yourself in a deal right now? And and so a lot of people, like you said, are sitting on sidelines. There's nothing wrong. 
there's a lot of people who are, who respect her on the sidelines. And I just think it's, it's, it's short-sighted, but also they're going to miss opportunities. And mm-hmm. we saw after COVID, we, we actually got into two deals because we, we were resourceful and we, we hustled after COVID. Now, you brought up the syndicated deal analyzer, the SCA, a little earlier on. And, you know, how are you adjusting? And this is just for who doesn't know, these are, this is an underwriting tool that we all use. And how do you adjust your underwriting? Like what happens? You, you hinted that, hey, interest, rising interest rates is not so bad. That means prices are going down. But what are you doing right now to try to get a deal? Having said that, without forcing the deal, but we always adjust our underwriting. So how are you adapting right now? You know, I'm really looking at not just where the interest rates are now, because by the time we close, those interest rates can shift dramatically. And there are a lot of people, I think you and I probably know, you know, people that have been caught where they're heading to the closing table and the interest rate has shifted. And so it's not just looking at what's today's interest rate, but really being aware as to what's happening with the basis points. What is the Fed talking about? And you know, I'm like, I'm adding that cushion in there on the interest rate. And so, you know, if the deal works and I have a half percent higher, which is like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, that's a lot of interest rate more, you know, but if it's going to work, then I can go confidently to my investors. My investors, they are my number one. They are my number one people I am responsible and accountable to. And I don't want to go back to my investors and say, oh, well, hey, sorry. You know, this like I want to know that I'm professional and I'm competent so I can, you know, compensate for that. I'm also looking at rents. And although the projections right now are that rents are going to continue to rise with inflation and they track and trend, like there's a lot of evidence that rents are going to continue to, you know, rise. However, going back to what if, what if they don't? Is my deal still going to work if those rents don't rise? And so not being overly zealous with raising those rents and making sure that deal performs. And then as always looking at that exit cap rate, you know, some people are saying, well, cap rates are going to rise. And so, you know, but what if they don't, you know, what if I don't raise that, you know, really being aware as to why am I using, how am I using these levers And how am I putting enough pressure on this deal so that I am buffering and protecting the investors that are involved, the limited partners? Yeah. And and I think what you're talking about are multiple levers you're always pulling inside the syndicated deal analyzer and analysis and Mm -hmm. and really making each assumption more on the conservative side. And therefore, you have multiple lines of defense, multiple margins for error in in your underwriting, I think. And that's kind of what we all do. And look, if the, if the deal doesn't work, the deal doesn't work. And mm-hmm. what we found after COVID, there was this, just like now, there was this gap between sellers and buyers. Buyers can't pay more because interest rates are higher. Loan to values have gone down. And so you can't pay as much. Sellers still want the same thing they had wanted three, three months ago. And so there's this gap. And we have found that if you kind of stick to your numbers and educate the sellers around what's shifted in the market, if they need to sell, which some do, like you said, they may adjust their numbers. And now you're getting into a, I mean, we were buying stuff after COVID. We used to get bridge loans where we funded, you know, our construction. Well, that immediately mm-hmm. went away after COVID. All mm-hmm. bridge loans went gone. And so now we could no longer fund construction. So we had to raise all five point whatever million dollars on construction. And that, that just crushed the purchase price. And we see similar things happening right now. So, I mean, what you're saying is look out there, see what's, what's happening in the market and then adjust your, your underwriting accordingly. Yeah. Definitely err on the, I mean, I am one where I will err on the side of conscience. I have a sleep at night policy and I, my job is to protect the limited partners and to ensure 
a quality investment vehicle for them. And so the more pressure we can put on, the more confidence that we can have in what we're bringing to investors and the more we, we have confidence that we can perform on that. You know, so speaking of investors, you're speaking very authoritatively. You have your own podcast, right? And, you know, you, you really know what you're talking about. But, you know, back in the day when you were just a school teacher, how did you get the confidence to talk to investors? I mean, where was your confidence back then? I mean, why, why did you even believe, remotely believe that someone with money would ever take you seriously, you being a school teacher and all? Wow. It was a significant growth journey. And it's interesting because I can speak with confidence now. And I could speak with confidence on things that I had experienced. And so really, Michael, that's where I began was if I'm going to speak with any level of confidence and I want to serve passive investors, then I need to be one. I need to become what they are and I need to feel what they're feeling and I need to understand the process all on my own. By the way, that's why I invested in my first LP deal with Nighthawk Equity. <laughs> There's a nice plug right there. It's been a fantastic experience. But that was my first move was if I want to gain confidence, I need to understand the process, not just on the active side, but I need to understand the passive side. But ultimately, the confidence comes by doing you're not going to feel confident as a swimmer if you never go in the pool and take some lessons and start swimming, right? We get confidence when we start doing. And so but that's a that's a chicken and egg problem, right? You know this, right? So I need to get <laughs> I, I need to get confident in, in talking with investors by speaking to investors, but I'm not confident, so I'm not going to speak to investors, right? So how do you overcome that? How do you start yeah. speaking to investors? Maybe when your confidence isn't there, or is there something you can do to raise your confidence so that you can speak to investors? Yes, absolutely. So for me, investing passively helped significantly. Also being part of community where you're hearing the conversation, ingesting as much information as you can. I still ingest and like love listening to podcasts because I'm gaining all sorts of information. And that gives me more confidence in speaking to people because it's like, well, I, I do know these things. How do I articulate that? For me, that was one of my challenges in speaking with you know, potential investors was, how do I articulate this well? And so you know, when you hear other people, you have role models and inviting role models into your life. And then at some point, you have to take the training wheels off. It was so scary. It was so uncomfortable. And I love people and I love talking. However, it was still scary and uncomfortable. And then I realized one of the most important things I'm not selling and I'm not begging. I have something of so much value. I know what we put our deals through. I know what I have is going to support them. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. And if you believe in it wholeheartedly with that confidence, then you can say, I'm not here begging you for your money. I'm not here trying to say like, oh, you know, schmoozy salesperson. I'm here giving you the offer of a lifetime. And that's really the way that everyone listening, watching this should think about raising money. It's not about raising money. It's about, well, first of all, building a relationship, but serving others. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. in stock market investors, I mean, they have at least three problems, possibly four. There's volatility in the market, especially now. It's more of like a negative trend. You know, number two, they don't get cash flow from the stock market. They pay too many taxes. And it's a poor hedge against inflation. And when you realize that, especially as an LP, you're like, oh my gosh, this is pretty cool. You want to share your enthusiasm with other people, and you're you don't have to, you're not selling them, you're not manipulating them. I think a lot of people get that wrong with raising capital. Mm -hmm. I think you're, and you know, you you said something that's like absolutely critical. It's relationships. 
It's all about relationships. And if you are truly genuinely seeking to serve others, now you've opened up an opportunity and that will come out and you're not going to come off like some salesy person. You're going to come out as someone who's genuinely looking to serve someone else and getting to know. And my investors know we have a longer intake because like we want to know I'm going to be representing your voice. You have no voting rights. I'm going to be representing you. So I want to know you. I want to know all of your challenges. I want to know the problems you want to solve for your portfolio so that I can you know, advocate for you as we are going through our business plan. And that relationship, well, you know how to say hi to somebody and that's all, all it takes. That's cool. So what's next for you? Wow. Continuing to syndicate. I, I don't want to ever stop syndicating. I believe in, and I know that you know, some people are like, I want to retire and I want to just continue to serve people and build people up so that they can invest with confidence. And honestly, we we need to have a strong portfolio and I can't think of a better way to build the foundation of an investment portfolio than through real estate. It is powerful. It's tried and true since the beginning, tried and true since the beginning of time. And so that's something I just want to continue to support people in so that they can, they can live that life that they want. Because, you know, when people feel that peace that they can breathe, they're not stressing out about their finances. I really believe they can receive more of the beautiful things that God's blessed us with in this world. And they can also give more. And that's what we want to do. We want to contribute back to the world in a powerful way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, so parting advice to someone who may, who would maybe in your shoes, and listening to this and got real estate on a brain, what do you advise that they do next? Take that next step. You know what it is in your gut. It's that little thing that you're like, it makes you nervous. It gives you butterflies. And, and you might feel, oh, but my next step, Julie, my next step has a price tag to it. <laughs> yeah. I will promise you this. Every scene, I, I actually was looking at all of the seminars that I've been to and thinking about how the value behind those seminars and the financial, you know, investment that I made into those seminars and the conferences. But every single one of those, the ROI is indescribable. And so, you know, figure something out. If whatever your next step has, if it has a dollar amount to it, dollar, that's just a value. Okay. And there's a way to work around that money element. And so that's just shifting your mindset to say, oh, I can't do that. No, it's now, how am I going to, how am I going to budget for this? How am I going to bring this about? Because if you're confident and you know, this is a path that you're going to go down, you need to make that investment into yourself. That might mean that for you, that is investing in the yellow book. That might mean that you're investing in going to the next Dealmaker Live event, which is absolutely fantastic. And since the pandemic, Michael, I have not missed it. <laughs> I'm like, it is a great event that you put on. And I've, I've made so many, met so many amazing people and made amazing friends there. So that's my advice is don't wait, get going. So good. How can people connect with you, Julie? I would absolutely love to connect with you. Head over to Julie at julieholly.com and schedule time. Let's talk. You know, like I'm here, I'm real. You can even give me a call. I answer my phone. You might need to send me a text message, but you can you can reach out to me at 
But give me a reference point. Let me know where you heard this. <laughs> That's awesome. Julie, so really great jamming with you here on the on the show today. Great seeing you, Michael. Thank you so much. So Julie mentioned passively investing as an LP in our investment company, Nighthawk Equity. And sometimes this is a great way to get into the game. Even though she wants to invest passively, she really did it because she wants to be an active or a GP. But for you who want uh, looking for a syndication, you're looking for a good operator, we consider ourselves a good one. Have a conversation with us. Go to nighthawkequity.com and just click the join button and allows you to join our investor network and have a conversation with us so we can share with you some of our upcoming opportunities that, that we have. So nighthawkequity.com is, is the place to go for that. A, a few takeaways for me is that they're always limiting or false beliefs, really with anything, anytime there's transformation in your life or you want to do transformation, always something holding you back. What is it? The first step is to articulating what that is for you, like articulating it, writing it down, addressing it head on. What is that? And, and, and Julie's, it was this what if mindset. And I used to be very similar. I used to have this great what if. I'm a very analytical guy. So I'd have these, these multiple branches of what if, what if, and it's really tiring, really what it is. And, and so what is it for you? And how do you overcome that? What do you need to do to overcome that? And, and the bottom line is don't let fear stop you. The other good advice you have is that you can overcome fear or lack of confidence or any of those things with action or practice, right? If, you, if you've ever done a sport before, if you don't think you're good at something, then practice, practice, practice. So you can overcome fear or lack of confidence with action. And the next, the thing you can do with action is simply doing the next thing. I'm a big planner, as you well know. But there is a limit to planning because sometimes it, it cry, drives you crazy because if you try to plan your path to your first deal, there's going to be 151 steps, right? It's just going to overwhelm you. Don't, don't do that. I like to always do the next three things. So for simplicity's sakes, what are the next three things you should do next? You already know what those are. You don't need to go to a seminar or, or listen to another podcast. You know what the next three things are. Now, it could be listening to a podcast or going to a seminar, but you know what those next three things are. Write them down then do those three things and just repeat that over and over and over again. And you know, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's $1,000 or $5,000 or $50,000, okay? Every single time I've invested myself, the ROI was at least 10X, okay? And every time I failed to invest because I didn't think, feel like I needed help, it always bit me in the butt. It's happened to me in the, in the restaurant business, right? It happened to me even when I first started in apartment buildings, I did have help flipping houses. And that was that was pretty, pretty successful. So don't be afraid to invest in yourself because the ROI is always going to be greater. And the three things you want to look for that we've, you know, we talk about a lot on the show is the three things with any kind of program, you, you want to follow a proven process. You want to know what is the system, what are the steps that have uh, helped dozens or hundreds of people achieve the result that you're that you want to do. Number two, work with an advisor or better yet, a team of advisors that will help you get to that next level. And number three, join a network of peers, of like-minded entrepreneurs. And again, uh, has an, an, a network, in our case, access to deals and capital. So look for those three things. And we, of course, have all three of those things in our program. And check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor, where you can learn more about our mentoring program, set up a call with us, and have a conversation. But don't let investment stop you from getting into the game. Do whatever you can. If you if you have $5,000 and that's all you have to invest in real estate, 
consider investing that in some kind of education because the ROI you're going to get out of that is going to be vastly higher than investing that same $5,000 in a duplex, for example. So hope you guys found inspiration today from Julie Holly. Now go out there and get some deals done. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.